This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak. We profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. If you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and meet Adam Stack. Today's guest is Abner Ronan, founder and CEO of Boxy. Enjoy the show. I'm joined today by Avner Ronan, founder and CEO of Boxy. Avner, how are you doing today? Very good. Just done uh, building tables. We moved to a new office, so we took two hours to build our tables. Yeah, I guess uh, I had to install my IKEA bed, so I, I think I spent an entire Sunday doing that. So, <laughs> so we're we're here, obviously, talking to you about uh, this very cool thing called Boxy, which I've been using for years and years and years now. Actually, since about. 2007 which seems so long ago um you know give me give me some decent history on who you are and a little bit of the backstory on how boxy got uh, got started yeah so boxy got started by you know five friends basically um we were it was back in 2007 and you know me and and tom which you know we, we were childhood friends actually grew up uh, right next to each other wanted to do something together for a long time. And we were both um, using, uh, I had a PC in the living room and an Xbox uh, that ran XBMC and he had the similar setup and we we're both using it more and more. And we thought that, you know, there's probably a company there if we could uh, take the experience and make it more approachable. And if we can get the software to other devices, so the user doesn't have to hack an Xbox in order to get that experience. Um, we thought that would be something we would use and that there would be many like us that would uh, look to do the same. And we got together with, um, with three more friends and, um, and started uh, working uh, quickly after that. You know, the, the vision was to create a better experience uh, for consuming and discovering content on, on the TV, which is still what we're, um, we're doing today. And we started coding and, you know, had have done a lot of work till we got the first alpha out to, um, to users and released a beta in 2009 and then, um, released the boxy box by dealing in uh, November last year. So we've done uh, quite the road. I guess I was incorrect when I said 2007, that was actually the year I canceled cable yeah. and I was really happy about a couple years later, about a year and a half later when obviously your beta was released. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll regress from that statement I made from 2007. Don't want to put you out there too early. So you were lucky enough to have some coding friends. What uh, uh, what kind of skills did some of these friends have? Like what kind of background were your fr- did your friends have that uh, founded the company with you? Yeah, so we had, um, I guess myself, that I come from a developer background but didn't try um, code at Boxy. Um, so I'm more on the business side. Um, Tom... Um, is more of an operational, technical operation kind of uh, person. And, and then um, we had the, uh, a couple of, um, of developers um, and, um, and a business development person. That's the, you know, that's the team that got started. And I guess one of the, the fundamental things you're really trying to do is just bring all this internet uh, content to the big screen more or less. And, and so your solution was to start with software, why uh, why software, and how long did it take to actually start focusing on some of the hardware to require it? So initially when we started the company, we actually wanted to build 
Um, I mean, we were always, you know, focused on the software, but we thought that we're going to bring out a device to market that, um, that we will make. And that's how we went and pitched uh, the initial investors that we spoke with. But they all told us that they're not really keen to invest in a hardware company. And if we focus just on software, it will be much more interesting for them. Um, so, you know, eventually the path that we've taken, just the path of this resistance is that um, we, you know, we couldn't get the round of financing. We wanted to be a hardware company. You know, we raised uh, some seed money and enough to enable us to release our software as a, as a download for initially for Mac and Linux and later on for, um, for PC. And, you know, once we got some, some traction there, then, you know, we were able to get, to get funding. And, and then later on, after we, we got the, you know, more exposure for the software piece, we were able to partner with, um, with a device maker with D-Link to create the first boxy box. So, you know, it took us a while, but we were able to eventually get the device. I think I lost you there for a second. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, cool. Um, so, so obviously, you know, software was a was the way you had to start. But if you look back in hindsight, do you think that uh, that that was the the best path uh, in hindsight of how this all played out for you? You know, hard to tell because we took only one path and not the other. So I don't <laughs> know how the other would have played out. But um, you know, I, I think there's um, a great advantage for us um, staying a small team and also not requiring too much capital, which, you know, when you're putting out the device out, you're much more capital intensive. Um, and also our model, you know, is, is software centric. Like we're trying to get our software running, not just on, on the boxy box by dealing. There's also an iOmega device that is, um, that is coming out and we're talking with TV and Blu-ray manufacturers about putting our software on their devices um, so we definitely, as you know, as we see ourselves mature, we see ourselves uh, being on more and more devices. It's just that our, you know, our solution is, you know, is this combination of hardware and software, right? It's uh, for the user. It's you know, it has to come in a in a CE device, so it's you know, it's approachable uh, rather than a, a PC or a Mac that you know to connect that to a TV is is kind of clunky. And also, the remote control is very important. That, you know, we have a lot of say over how the remote control looks and behaves because that—that's that what the consumer holds in his hand when he controls the user interface. Yeah, it's one of the things you get uh, a lot of praise on is uh, is the beautiful user interface. I know that um, if you look across the the spectrum nowadays, I guess recently we've got uh, other hardware players in the in the game. I guess software too, but they're hardware before they were software, which is like Roku and Popbox and stuff like that. But I always hear that uh, your interface is is uh, more superior to, the, to theirs and and uh, and all that good stuff. So I I know I enjoy the boxy interface a lot. Yeah, we you know even before we started actually coding, we we started working with um, a company in in San Francisco, Method, that um, have great experience in um, in user interface design, and we worked with them to create you know the initial concept behind the boxy user interface. So we we were. You know, very focused on user experience and the user interface uh, from the get-go, and that, that remains, you know, a key focus for uh, for the company. And today we're doing it, you know, not just today, but for three years now we're doing it all in-house. But that, you know, that's the core of where we start. You know, every feature discussion. It's less about the technology and more about the user experience. You know, people hear this all the time: iterate your interface or. You know, constantly evolve it. How many iterations and how many 
evolutions have you gone through with uh, the user interface of Boxy? I think we've gone through by now three, what I would call three major iterations. We're, you know, with every update, you know, we, you know, we fix up stuff, but sometimes it's really minor stuff. We've done three um, major iterations of the design, and I, I don't think we're, we're there yet in terms of, you know, uh, um, solving all the problems we're out there to solve. I still think we have a long way to go, and we're not afraid of, um, of making major changes if we think they're going to improve the experience or simplify the experience. Before we dive too much deeper into some of the questions I have for you, and not to assume that every listener out there knows exactly what Boxy is, what is the 90-second uh, the pitch of, of Boxy, and what does it do? So Boxy today for most people is a device that they can go out and, you know, and buy in Best Buy or Amazon, connect to their TV as easy as a Blu-ray player, and, and then get to watch videos from their favorite um, sources online. So, you know, Netflix and YouTube and Pandora and Voodoo or Major League Baseball. And they can also access the files that they have in their home network. So, you know, their MP3 collection or video collection or photos that they have on their hard drives, they can access it all. Um, on their TV through a simple um, interface. And obviously you've got uh, lots of different plugins to this, meaning tons of content providers that are on the Internet, tons of uh, content locally that you can pull from. What what kind of files locally that can you pull from? Like, Is it just any old file? Is it movie files? Is it like, can you actually play a DVD through it? Yeah, you can play almost anything. I, th- I think Boxy in this, you know, in this particular um, spot really shines. Um, I think you'll be hard pressed to find a file on your uh, video file on your computer that Boxy won't be able to play, and you know the highest resolution possible, and a combination of different audio codecs and video codecs and and subtitles. Um, we've spent a lot of time just making sure you know that if you click on something, it works. Um, so we spend a lot of time there, just support whatever people accumulated on their hard drives, which for some people. It's uh, it's quite a lot of stuff. You know, one of the features that I was really uh, interested in when I first started to use Boxy, but something that I haven't really, uh, I guess, used a lot or enjoyed that much because I just haven't had that many friends that have connected to me through um, the Boxy network, which was like the the social features. Uh, Can you give us some of the backstory of of the social features that you put into Boxy and and how they've worked out over the years? Yeah, we you know, when we started from the first release, social was was a piece of it. I, I guess I'm not you know talking about it much because it's such an integral part of the of the pro- product. But you know, we figure that you know, our users are users that are consuming a lot of video online. And today, whenever you consume a video, you can also you know share it with um, with your friends. Um, so we we thought that's kind of basic as a way to express yourself, but we also thought the other piece, you know, being able to see what your friends are watching and recommending, is an important one. And today, um, you can put in your Facebook or Twitter account at Inboxy, and then any video that somebody that you follow is sharing, you'll be able to see on your TV. So you don't have to have um, quote unquote Boxy friends in order to to get their videos. It's enough that you plug in your Facebook and Twitter and people are sharing a lot of videos on their, on those sites. And, um, and it, you know, the way it works is you come back home and you have sometimes 10, 20, sometimes more videos, um, fresh for you to, to check out. Let's talk about big media for a bit. I know that this is uh, probably a hot topic for you, something you probably 
battle often enough, which is just the content providers in general and the general resistance that you've seen over the years. I know back in the day, I think maybe about a year, year and a half ago, you had a big uh, a thing going on with Hulu where the content was blocked and you had to do sort of a, a browser hack to, to make that happen. What kind of backlash have you gotten from content providers and how has that changed over the past few years? I think it's changed significantly. You know, we started a company, you know, we came from internet and tech background, not from cable or media background. So we're kind of naive about um, the way that the industry operates. Um, and we're kind of surprised when we got some, um, some backlash for what we put out because Boxy, what it did from the beginning was just accessing content that was uh, out there on the web. So, what we didn't understand was that when media companies, I mean, back then in 2008, when media companies put their uh, content on the web, they didn't really want that content to come back uh, to the TV screen over the internet. And that creates, you know, it created a lot of um, uh, anxiety among media companies about what, what the change would mean to their business. And their biggest fear was to disrupt an existing business model that, you know, is working great for them you know, the existing broadcast and, and cable models. So, you know, since then we've engaged in discussions with them, um, you know, at, at high levels at, at times. And I think we're much more savvy about the concerns that they have. And I, I think they have a better understanding of what we're trying to do. Um, so now we're at the place where I think we have pretty good relationships with most of the media companies and, you know, with some of them, we have direct relationships with others. We just have access to their content through services such as, you know, Netflix or, or Voodoo. Um, but I, I think today we're at the spot where Boxy is a player that they understand and, um, and respect. And it's more has to do more with their strategy about over the top video, you know, what kind of videos they're putting online and what kind of business models they apply to it. And, and Boxy is, is a platform that enables users to, to consume it. So we have partnerships with major media companies and, um, you know, we're still innovating in that space, but I think we're better understood. And from our side, we understand better the, you know, the media companies and the landscape. So we're, this podcast is broadcast on the five by five, uh, podcast network from Dan Benjamin and the rest of the staff there. So we have tons of different audio content, um, what kind of options do you offer to, um, I, I guess, you know, homegrown startup uh, media players like that? Like we're not a Hulu, but we certainly have a lot of content, millions of downloads in a week, um, just tons of content. But it's it's primarily audio. What kind of outlets do you offer and what kind of mechanisms do you offer for those kinds of uh, media providers to plug into Boxy and provide their content to the, your users? Yeah. You know, it's pretty easy today if you're publishing um, audio podcasts um, to make them available at, in Boxy, either as a stand standalone app or as part of, you know, just publishing an RSS feed. And people are consuming audio on Boxy, mostly music. Actually, the most popular application on, on Boxy is Pandora. You know, people have it connected to their surround system and, you know, just put Pandora in the background. It's it's a great experience, uh, better than, I guess, going to channel 800 on your cable. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Pandora is one of my favorites, too. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah it's an amazing experience um, on, on any platform that they are on, you know, whether it's the phone or the web, as well as TV. And in many, you know, in many homes, TV is just always on and connected to a great surround system. So it's a great way to experience Pandora. But beside Pandora, you know, we 
we have relationships with um, with Last FM, and you know we have music videos that you know that's videos, but music videos from from Vivo that are doing really well. Um, we have services such as uh, Wolfgang Vault that enables you to listen to um, to concerts, um, and people are you know consuming a lot of that uh, a lot of that content. And I understand you got some good news not long ago for uh, for a new round of funding, uh, sixteen sixteen and a half million dollars for to help pave the way for the future of TV. As a uh, as I read it once uh, back in the day on on TechCrunch, what what exactly is the future of TV? Well, yeah, I think the future, from our personal standpoint, we think the future of TV is is very much internet centric. Um, the TV screen is just a big screen and. People are today are consuming videos on the screen they have available to them, whether it's your mobile phone or your tablet or your computer or your TV. And um, the way we, we view it is that there shouldn't be anything that is really proprietary about the way you get content on the TV and it shouldn't be closed. And it should be as open and as wild and as fun as, um, as the web. Um, so we think those barriers that exist today that, seem kind of arbitrary are, are going to crumble and that as a user you'll just get access to anything you want to watch and it will be available on the tv screen and the decision on what screen you're going to watch it on i think has to do with you know the type of content it is and where you are and what you're trying to do you know tv is still a social experience so if you want to watch you know a game with you know with three friends probably watching it on your computer or ipad or iphone doesn't make much sense but watching it on a 50-inch tv screen is a great uh, experience um so i i think the role of the, the tv plays as a like the uh campfire like a social uh place i, I think that's going to remain and in many other cases when you're just alone at home or you know you, you know you're you're with your roommate, but each one of you want to watch something else, you're going to be using a different screen. So I think all those barriers are, um, are going away and the future of TVs is a much more exciting one than it is today. It's been kind of stagnant for a long time just because of the nature of the, that industry that has very, had very few players and was very hard to innovate. And now that it's opening up, I think you'll start to see you know, quick innovation coming from startups and, you know, eventually it's going to change the media landscape. So there, there's actually no cost to actually start using Boxy unless you're buying the hardware device, right? Right. So there's no fees involved, I guess, unless you're plugging into something with a subscription and that's beyond uh, something that uh, you actually control. It's just software you're providing to, to pull in this content to your big screen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we have users that um, use Boxy and are paying to services such as Netflix or renting movies from Vudu or subscribing to, you know, something like Major League Baseball or the premium account or on Wolfgang Vault or Crunchyroll or whatever it is. I, I guess the key point is there in, in their discretion, in their control, they choose what they really are passionate about and what they're willing to pay for. And um, if they do, then they're, they have a monthly cost. And if they don't, then they don't, then it's zero. So when uh, to go back to some of the content providers and this resistance we saw before, um, what were the biggest things that they were complaining about? I guess when when these rivalries were going on and things weren't going right, was it was it really just the, the how the line was blurred between say a twenty seven inch iMac and a twenty seven inch actual TV Samsung? Yeah, pretty much. Um, they just there is different uh, monetization that goes with um, with stuff that is 
on the internet versus stuff that is coming from your cable box or broadcast signal. And they didn't want to, you know, I guess exchange what they call analog dollars to digital sense. And I, I think that that makes sense. Um, so they need to figure out the way that the internet is something that they view as yet another distribution um, system and they're agnostic of whether somebody is watching their show on, you know, over IPTV or satellite or cable or the internet. Um, I think if we get closer to that, uh, to these economics, I think you'll see more and more content, uh, find itself, um, on the web. So what is, uh, the, the business model of Boxy these days? Like I heard you mention earlier, it's not the business model. What exactly is the business model of Boxy and, and where do you make money besides obviously the, the hardware device? Right. The hardware device is made by dealing. So, that, you know, they, they take most of the economies, they take most of the financial risk and the financial, re- financial reward, reward that is associated with it. But um, the way we see the business model is we have this very high level view that when people are going to transition their content consumption away from the more traditional uh, distribution uh, models and towards the Internet, it's not that they're going to look to be you know, freeloaders and get everything for free. We think they will pay um, for the stuff they care about. So our our belief is that people are still going to pay for content that they like and they're still going to watch ads on on videos that um, that they're watching. And our role will be to try and, you know, figure out how we play into the ecosystem and the value chain both um, in both um, scenarios. So when it comes to paid content, the way we see it is, you know, we'd like to make it really easy for consumers to, with one click on their remote, subscribe to a channel or to a show or or pay for a one-time event. Um, and in that case, we'll be providing the billing infrastructure and we'll keep a piece of, um, um, of the revenue. And we think that's going to be at the core of our business moving forward. I, I heard... Uh... On the on the little grapevine that you're you're actually pulling in some different paid services, a a paid platform. You're obviously already uh, allowing subscriptions because if I have Netflix subscription, I could just plug into my Netflix on there. But if I didn't have an account, then I wouldn't be able to. But what's on the horizon in terms of of paid subscriptions, payment platforms? Did I hear right? Yeah, I, I think you heard it right. You're probably going to see you know more content coming to Boxy that require the user to pay. And hopefully we'll power, you know, um, we'll power some of it, and some other services will re- require you to have an account, and are not going to do the billing through us. And uh, I, I think that's a big part of the future of uh, video online is that if you want to see more premium video, find yourself online, online, and if you want to um, enable a new kind of, um, of, of content to, um, to be financed, I think users will have to be willing to pay for it. Uh, today, there's a reality where the type of uh, content that is being produced, it's either really um, high-end, costs millions of dollars per episode, or it's you know, web-oriented content that costs, costs you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, in the middle, there's nothingness. And I think what the internet is going to enable over the next few years is that this space in the middle, uh, you'll start to see some growth there and it's no longer going to be a desert. But I think for that to happen, you need to have a critical mass of, um, of users online that are watching videos. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely happening. The other thing you'll need to see is you'll need to see people paying um, for 
um, for stuff they really like. And I think that's going to happen too. And we'll try and do our, our small part in, um, in making that happen. So if you have a show or piece of content that, that's, uh, that's going to be appreciated by 100,000 or 200,000 users that you can build a business around it. I think that's going to be key. Now, we talked about different types of devices. We talked about the blurred lines between, say, an iMac and, uh, you know, a, a big old, well, I guess, a small TV. And these days, 27 inches is kind of a small TV. I don't think anybody goes out and buys one of those unless it's for their, their kitchen or something. But uh, we've talked about all sorts of types of devices. But what about things like Android, iPhone, the iPad? When will we see Boxy or will we see Boxy on those kinds of devices? So we hope to release iPad, um, you know, as, as soon as we can. It's in pretty good shape, and we're testing it um, internally. And um, that's going to be the focus for us in terms of tablets in the short term. We're, you know, looking at Android, but we don't have an effort um, going on right now around Android. On on iPhones and iPods, you can use today a Boxy remote control app. That, um, that helps you navigate the UI. Um, so I, I think on the iPhone, on the mobile devices, on the phones, we're probably going to stay focused on remote experience and on iPad, tablet-type devices. I think they're interesting not just as remote controls but also as consumption devices. So you should expect a very different approach from us on iPad versus iPhone. One of the things that I loved actually about the the, the Boxer remote was... Uh, on the iPhone was actually just what it was. was a, it was really just so easy to use. I liked the the gesture version of it, but I also liked how it had two different modes. Was that uh, how did you guys come up with that kind of scenario? Like kind of what kind of user testing did you do around creating this uh, this touch interface remote on the iPhone? I, I think we were actually the first one to come uh, to come up with such a remote. So the, the thinking was that when you use a remote and when you use a good remote, um, existing remotes, you know the ones that come with your TV or Blu-ray or set a box. You never look at it. You know, you can operate it in the dark, but, you know, your focus, your eyes are on the screen. And the way the buttons are shaped or designed, uh, you know, you become familiar with them. And then you can stop or play or channel down or channel up or control, control the volume without looking at the remote. If you have to look at it, you kind of uh, miss the purpose. So that's why we came up with this gesture mode that the user just, um, you know, moves his, his, his thumb on the, on the screen and doesn't have to look at it in order to operate the UI. Um, and we made it into the default mode. Um, and we, you know, we thought it's, it's kind of neat and we thought that otherwise it's just going to be a novelty rather than something that you can use on an ongoing basis. That was actually one of my favorite features of it. Actually it was, it was the gesture mode. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yep. I want to, one last question for you before we ask the super secret question. Um, I'm curious when when you talk to users of Boxy, what are the number one things that they're asking for? What are the the biggest things that uh, that just clogs up your support lines and your emails and stuff like that? What's the number one things that the people are asking for these days with Boxy? So it's usually about content. You know, when, before we had Netflix, it was about Netflix. Um, we haven't launched with Amazon yet. We get many people asking for Amazon. You know, we haven't launched um, Hulu Plus yet. We have many people asking for Hulu Plus. Um, and if you go outside the U.S., and we have, you know, many of our users are actually outside the U.S., then you hear about their favorite, you know, service in the country where they're coming from, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, Spotify or Love Film or Blinkbox or, you know, many others. So it's really most of it is about content. 
and secondary his request for features or you know bug fixes and so on. So speaking of uh, Hulu Plus and Amazon, how, how soon can we expect that? Uh, we you know we don't have dates yet, but you know we um, as as consumers ourselves as users of Boxy, we really <laughs> want to make them happen. Yeah, I saw interviews with you, and you got your Boxy remote in your hand, so I, I imagine you're probably a big Boxy user anyway. So yeah, so um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll try and make them as uh, happen as as quick as possible. It's yeah, the, the issue is that then when when it's a bug or a feature, it's in our control. When it's launching a partnership, you know, it's it's more complicated in many cases. It's not just between between us and the content partner. In many cases, it has to do with the you know, the hardware platform and, and DRM and different kinds of certifications. And uh, sometimes those things take kind of take a long time. So does does this become a race between, you know, competitors like Roku and, and Popbox, which we mentioned earlier? I mean, is this now a race to be um, the the market share leader, the, the awesome device, the one that everybody wants? Is that what this is nowadays? Is it pretty much a race? Yeah, I think it's a marathon. Um, I don't think also it's it's going to be a, a winner takes all kind of thing. I, I think um, the marketplace is going to have several platforms probably that um, that are going to be out there, and you know it's not going to be ten, but it's probably also not going to be one. So our you know our challenge is to be um, interesting enough and relevant enough and good enough um, and with enough personality that it's going to appeal for a big enough number of users that's going to enable us to turn Boxy into, you know, into a great business and a great company. So that's a challenge we have. I don't think that the race, the arms race around content is going to make the difference. Our assumption is that any content that you can access on Boxy will be able to access on other devices. So the differentiation needs to come from uh, different places. So I think the one of the biggest differentiators for you really is uh, goes back to earlier in the call when we talked about the interface. I think your interface is um, you've iterated a number of times, you've improved on it, you're focused on the user, um, and that, that's one of the things that I love most about Boxy. But one of the things that I'm most sad about, and you probably echo the same feeling, is is uh, just what everybody else clamors about lack of lack of all of the content. And I think it's it's just a tough thing to to deal with. Like you said, it's there's more than just put, plugging it in. It's there's agreements, there's DRM, there's other scenarios to to worry about in, in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, realize that. You know, it's. I, I think it's it's getting better. You know, every month you see more content and better quality content, and I think the trajectory is very positive. So it's just a matter of time. So uh, last question I have for you really is uh, is deemed the superhero question. I just want to know. Um, What's on the horizon for Boxy? I mean, obviously you're um, doing lots of fun stuff, but is there anything on the near horizon that uh, hasn't exactly been announced yet or something that's not everybody knows about yet that you can mention here on the show today? Um, yeah, there's many people waiting for our next uh, firmware update, and um, it's coming really, really soon. Um, we, we never disclosed the date. We just said it's going to come in May, but, you know, very, very soon. So maybe by the time the, the people are listening to this, this is May now, so it could be could be next week. Yeah, could be. Could be next week. Well, Avner, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I always love hearing more about Boxy. It's one of my most favorite things about, uh, about the, I guess, big screen these days, taking my internet content and putting it on my big screen and using an iPhone remote and having fun with it. And I know that 
Um, lots of people out there echo the same, but I really appreciate you coming on the show today and thank you for uh, everything you do. Great. Thank you.